Welcome to the Wound Masterclass podcast. Thank you for joining us for this 30 minutes of delving into the most important topics in wound care. Um, my name is Negan Shamsian. I'm the editor of Wound Masterclass and I'm one of your co-hosts for this podcast. I'm joined by Alec Wright, who is the other co-host. Thanks very much. Very happy and excited to be doing this. Um, I'm also delighted to welcome our first ever guest, Harm Yap Schmidt. So how did the conversation go? It was great, actually. But Alec, why don't you tell us first which city in the Netherlands Harm Yap Schmidt is from? It's it's a difficult one to pronounce. This is why I'm asking um, asking Alec to take on the pronunciation uh, of Harm's... Linguistic experts. Absolutely. So how did we think it, it was pronounced? We can ask Harm in a minute, but... Amersfoort. That was our best guess. Yeah, so it was exciting, actually. Um, talking to Harm. Harm is one of these uh, experts. He's a wound biologist from the Netherlands and he just manages to give a very uncensored raw opinion in wound care, which is, you know, really unusual because usually most of our opinions can come through a filter of what's expected to be said. But I find the, the beauty of a conversation with Harm, uh, who I've known for many years, is that he's just very undiluted and honest in his uh, opinions so yeah it was actually it was it's really interesting to get that focus from him on what he believes are the myths and misconceptions in wound care yeah that sounds um fantastic i think that kind of straight talking is definitely something we need more of in this sphere so uh, it's my pleasure to introduce that conversation with harm yap smith Harm, thank you very much for joining us for this uh, Wound Masterclass Interactive yes. Podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's really excited for you to join us because, uh, you know, you've been a wound expert for many years and I always enjoy reading all your LinkedIn posts. They're always eye-openers. And I guess today we're really, we got together to discuss myths and misconceptions in wound care, of which there are many. So let's let's see i'm trying to think about your recent posts i liked i like the one you did recently that talked about how different cells react differently to trauma and therefore we can't predict wound healing is going to be the same in each i guess in each scenario no Uh, of course not yes um, you're right no and and, um there's another thing which happened a few days ago someone published an article in a dutch nursing magazine uh, which has to do exactly with the, exactly the same problem we have all over the place. Um, and that is, she published a paper on how she cured a, an, an ulcer uh, by means of um, proper, proper tender loving care, as we call it. So, <laughs> tender loving care, that, that tender loving care. healing. Yeah, so <laughs> the wound, she had a deep knowledge of uh, what dressings or what, what what to put on a wound and, and then to her surprise the wound closed um, but looking at it uh, I realized that that wound didn't close due to her tender loving care but due to the <laughs> fact that she stumbled upon a problem uh, which she totally uh, misconceived but then nevertheless did the right thing and that is apply a local corticosteroid so the, the idea was that the leg ulcer um, was caused by uh, by arterial problems, but then if you look at the leg ulcer, you see a pattern of many wounds all over the shin. So that is not exactly what you expect by a 
a, um, a, a arterial ulcer. Mm -hmm. And um, then she didn't look into it. She said, well, let's, let's see if we can clean it and clean it up and close it with tender loving care. And then my question is always, well, um, if you have a closed vessel, how are you going to open up that vessel with your dressing? That's not going to happen. Yeah. Even tender loving care is not going to vasodilate that, is it? No, it isn't. So um, then we had the problem that, that, that how, how does this arise? How, how can it be that someone thinks it's a, an arterial ulcer or a, an ulcer with an arterial problem gets handed over a patient and doesn't get handed over the proper information? So that is, I think, one of the main problems in wound care is that we have uh, loss of lack of expertise or people who should be doing their job are not doing it. Because how, how on earth are you going to hand over a patient to a nurse without giving a proper diagnosis or telling them what to expect? And they just didn't do it. And then, and then if you only have a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. So the dear nurse who has, I, I'm quite sure she has years of experience. So she knows exactly what materials to use on that wound and how to, to treat the patient. But somehow uh, she forgot to think about is, what, why is that wound here? What's going on? And that's, that's the weird part of these things. And, and we see that all over because if, if I'm looking at uh, my other hobby today is looking at data. And uh, then you see outliers, you see patients who are not behaving like the flock. And then the question is why? And nobody asks the question why, which is really, really weird. So this nurse, this patient, it, it turns out I'm, I'm still looking for second uh, opinions for that. Because it is an article, there's a picture there, but from two words in the picture, you can't diagnose a patient. And I'm a biologist, so by no means I, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to, to set a diagnosis. I can only ask questions and, and think like, well, that looks like a dermatological problem or a vascular problem, and we have to exclude both of them. So why isn't this, why isn't this patient seen by a proper uh, dermatologist or a proper vascular surgeon because the other thing it was a, a diabetic patient which even gives it more trouble um, the other problem is, is that they have been talking to this lady about yeah we will have to amputate your leg because you have an, an, a problem because she has had wounds for, for, for months well if that wound has closed by means of tender loving care and corticosteroids it means it wasn't a, a vascular ulcer at all which means that the amputation danger is also not as, as, as present as they thought. Um, but then if you start talking to a patient about, oh, we're gonna take your leg off, um, they're gonna shy away from any kind of intervention. So the, the other underlying storyline is that this patient also refused to have further diagnosis because she was quite sure that that would cost her her leg. So here you have, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit hard to, to, because it goes from all over the place, these, these type of stories. But here you have a patient who has had an improper diagnosis, someone who thought that there was a vascular problem uh, uh, causing these wounds. And since the wounds didn't close, they thought, well, let's amputate the leg, tell the lady, the lady scares, says, I don't want to do that. Send me home to a nursing home where we have a proper nurse. And the proper nurse starts doing her best to her knowledge, which is absolutely not what should have happened here. And there, there's lots of these little rabbit holes in wound care, isn't there, where 
if you fall down one of these rabbit holes, you could be undergoing, you know, certain treatments on the wound, which may not, which may not be making any progress on the wound. So, no. and it's quite easy to get sort of diverted, isn't there? And then suddenly a wound can become a hard to heal wound. It becomes a chronic wound. And it's almost a stigma, isn't it, for the wound? Because then people think, oh, well, they've tried everything here. Um, you know, what's the next yes. step? Yes, but now you're, you're hitting on the next problem, that wounds over time become hard to heal. I, I, I think uh, we're missing a big issue here. Uh, if I look at, at data uh, from a GP office, there we see, let's say, a thousand patients. And of those thousand patients, uh, 900 healed within four to four to six weeks. So, and what you have left over is is then 100 patients, of which there are about let's say 20. One fifth uh, is hard to heal. So, if you talk about hard to heal wounds, and uh, you say the longer it takes to close them, it means you're also changing your filter because you started with 20 patients on a thousand patients, which is two percent. They are non-healing wounds, and then and then suddenly, uh, after six weeks, you're stuck with twenty percent, twenty-five, twenty percent non-healing wounds. So then it is easy to start thinking that uh, oh yes, the longer we wait in healing these wounds, the harder they are to heal. Well, that could be not the case. It could just be the case that you're selecting for the harder to heal wounds. So what you're left off is with hard to heal wounds. So the whole idea that if a wound uh, deteriorates over time and becomes harder to heal um, has at least two aspects. The first aspect is that, well, you get rid of the ones who do not heal, who heal easily, so they're out of the equation. And then the second thing is, and this is also very hard to find, is that, all right, if they are harder to heal, what exactly, what mechanism makes them harder to heal? And then you run into the hobbies of kindless people, of, of, of numerous people, who then start talking about uh, metallic, matrix metalloproteinases and all kinds of other things. But what you're looking at is a system where these things are, are what you can observe on the outer surface of the system, but that's not what's happening in the system. So if, if you were telling me that, yes, if you wait longer, the wounds become harder to heal, I, I agree, but not to the extent that it's currently believed. I would say 90% of those patients are just normal patients with a hard to heal wound which doesn't mean it has deteriorated during the time beforehand do you think harm then these hard to heal wounds that are labeled as such are actually wounds that have not been managed the way that they should have been initially and that's why they're in that scenario is that sort of not even that i i think that if you have a thousand wounds and you have 20 of them which are hard to heal that they will surface over time because over time all the other wounds close. So you're left with the harder to heal wounds. So they're not per se uh, mistreated. The other thing, of course, is what they can be mistreated if you're not recognizing them. So that's the other game is how do we recognize on day one? How do we fish out those 20 wounds out of the thousand wounds, which are going to cause a problem? Interesting. And what do you think is the best way to do that then? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, if I would know that, we wouldn't be talking here like that. And, and, and the other thing is, if it's easy to find, we already have found it. True. So it so could that's... be multifactorial, patient factors, local wound factors, perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, um, the other day, I, 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 because I always, have, I always need mental gymnastics to think about wounds. And um, 
the other thing is if you start comparing having a wound to having a fever and then think about that so how do you know everybody has a fever every now and then you go to the gp and they say well depending on where you are they they either say well have a have a hot cup of tea and uh, have a blanket and, and sit it out it will nothing will happen uh, or they will provide you with all kinds of uh, medicines uh, which is uh, where we can have a nice discussion about so so that's also the game how do you know that someone with a fever is having a problematic fever so how do you how do you recognize those and i think that skill is when you have a fever people will sort of know what to look for but in wound care we we haven't developed that sense that skill so i think that's one of the main problems and then what can what can happen to a wound because the other thing is that we consider the wound as the problem but the wound is is only uh, the problem surfacing so if you can't figure out the underlying problem, you're stuck as well. And uh, I guess that's where all the new biomarkers and bacterial fluorescence imaging and all these adjuncts are coming in, which perhaps we wouldn't have had 10 or 20 years ago when we're trying to diagnose wounds. And I suppose we now have the spectrum of bedside tests, other adjuncts, other investigations that maybe they wouldn't have had many decades ago when they were treating wounds we've got the luxury of the technology evolving perhaps at a faster pace than we can keep up with in some instances well yes uh, because to uh, to understand to to yield a biomarker uh, uh, product or biomarker medical device the device uh, you need the knowledge to figure out what you're looking at and the other problem is is that we actually don't know there's only few people in this world who are able to translate uh, for instance, an, an, an increase in, in interleukin to, 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 to relate that to a process happening in the body. So I think we're not there yet. And I, I, I remember that just already three years ago, we tried to set up a, a, a large biomarker fishing expedition here in the Netherlands. Um, and during that process, I realized we lacked the knowledge to ask the proper questions. And that's a fundamental one. Interesting. And in terms of other big myths and misconceptions, I know me and you have had this discussion before about why is it so hard to get good clinical evidence or good data in wounds in terms of, you know, doing... <laughs> I yes. mean, this is something we've, uh, we've discussed at length before, but do you think that's another myth and misconception is that actually... Well, I think it's a, I think it's a, that is like a wound is, is, a, is a problem surfacing, not having... Uh, uh, proper covering reviews or proper evidence is also a surfacing of a problem. And, and before, and, and, and there are lots of people who are complaining about, oh, we have no uh, double-blind studies, we have no meta-analysis, we have no data, we have no proper research. And then they start complaining about the research and the lack of it. But I would first start with asking the question, why don't we have that? And that is a far more interesting question. So why don't we have that? Um, why is Cochrane coming up with, with invariant or small variations of we need more evidence, we don't know it. Why is that? And I think one of the main reasons is that we, and then we're back to the fever parallel. Uh, you can have a fever for many reasons. So can you have a wound for many reasons? And what the wound is doing depends on the, the, the underlying problem or problems, and there can be several of them. And um, that means that if you, um, if you have a, 
a wound which is for, caused by something underlying, like a, a, the easiest one, of course, is a vessel closing or something not happening properly. If you have a wound with a vessel underlying, whatever you do to the wound will not respond or only respond minimum, minimally, but you will look at the variation of what's happening to the vessel. So if you were, I have 10 patients with varying uh, arterial problems who have uh, varying diffusion and these diffusions remain the same or progress over time, I can tell you that what you will find is the, in your data, is the progression of the underlying disease and not whatever you put on the wound. And as long as we don't correlate for those types of problems, we're not going to see any evidence. So I think the lack of evidence is actually a proof of the lack of fundamental understanding of what we're looking at. Harm, interesting. Why do you think we have so many dressings on the market in terms of why is there this constant evolution of trying to get a better product um, for a debridement, a better product in terms of alginates, in terms of um, non-adherent dressings? Or, um, why do you think there's this constant cycle of uh, new products? Well, that is the easy part, actually, um, because um, as, as you have a wound, the problem in wounds is not as much as logistics of the patient as logistics of the expertise. And I think it's 400 years ago we decided that neither the doctor nor the surgeon will take care of wounds, so we placed it in the hands of the nurse. And um, the nurse has very limited um, resources to heal a wound, so they turn to dressings. That means that, and that's what we started with, it was nurse doing this leg also with only dressings. That means that nurses are currently totally focused on what dressings will do. And then the companies will, will support them in that by supplying more dressings. I vividly remember talking to a, to a couple of nurses in the Netherlands uh, who just finished their educational project and I was having a bunch of products for them. Uh, I, 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 I filled up a basket with nice products, but all those products have one thing in common, is that you could turn on the knobs in the wound. You could increase or decrease inflammation. You could uh, reduce the production or take away um, uh, overflowers, matrix metalloproteinases, stuff like that. And within five minutes, I noticed these nurses thinking, ooh, how do I get rid of this man? Because I, I'm, I don't know what he's talking about, but it is certainly not my field of expertise. So if you do anything different but applying a dressing, which comes down to very bluntly a, a artificial blister with one or two adding substances, like something which kills bacteria, um, you know, they will not listen to you and they will not buy your product. So all the innovations we see are, are further extensions of the current product base and that is and, and one thing we know is that that's what you learn from Cochrane there's no evidence coming to, going to come from that because there's a misunderstanding of what's happening what the really wound is so that's the hard part interesting and do you think in terms of the context of um, trials for wound care uh, data do you think that it's hard to get controlled so actual get an, an identical wound as a control study is it, is it is that part of the challenge? Is it the study designs? Why is it that we struggle in wound care to get the same trials that they would have, for instance, in a different subspecialty? Well, the, the main problem is, is actually return on investment. 
um, if you have a pharmaceutical product which is promising, you know you will get a return on investment of several billions euros or dollars or whatever. If you have a wound care product, you will not have that. So you to overcome, for instance, if you want to overcome difference in perfusion in several patients, you don't, you don't need a trial of 10 patients or 20 patients. You need a trial of thousands of, of patients. And then statistics will, will iron away all your problems uh, and, and hurdles uh, because that's the numbers. But the market is not sufficient to support that. And since doctors consider wound care not interesting and doctors are in charge of uh, paying for fundamental research. Also, the fundamental research is not, not interested in doing that. So on both sides, from the industry and from the governmental organizations, there will be no interest in uh, sufficient funds for doing real good trials with sufficient patients. So that is the first problem. And the only way around that is to find other secondary endpoints to figure out what's going on in the wound or be able to translate whatever you find in patient A to patient B. And uh, that's all very interesting, Harm, but uh, there are lots of myths in wound care, aren't there? What would you say are the sort of top five myths that exist in wound care these days? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first one is that dressings heal wounds. I would say that is a, it's, it's not untrue, of course, but if they did, we would have the evidence for that, and we don't. So that's the first myth. The second myth is that um, doctors think they're very good at healing wounds, um, which can be true, uh, but normally they're not good at healing wounds, they're good at healing underlying problems, as a result of which the wound will heal. So that's the second myth. Um, the third myth uh, would be, I'm, I'm quite sure about that, is that you don't have to listen to nurses because they are not able to uh, to handle problems in a real manner. That is rather devastating for the outcomes of uh, of wound care results. So the role of the nurse uh, is is because everybody talks about yeah we need multifunctional teams, but then if you have a, a, a wide range team a lot of expertise in it, you actually have to listen to each other, which is hard for medics in between themselves. But from a doctor to a nurse, that's even harder. So that's that would be misconception. Um, another one, and then uh, the final one is that, um, yeah, final ones where people think that a wound is a wound, and that it it is a hole in a patient. And I would say, and that's not the case. It is it is it is a an, uh, an example of tissue damage uh, where which has reached the surface. So if you look at wounds, you shouldn't think about the wound itself. You should think about, uh, about tissue damage. And then you get all kinds of funny parallels because then if you go into medicine, you can, are able to, to connect to other fields because there's another place where they have tissue damage where they can't reach it. And that's called cardiology. There's all kinds of funny research cardiologists do, fundamental research, which are directly applicable for wound care. One of them. Yes. yes, in terms of sort of, uh, I mean, I saw that you recently discussed in terms of adding cell therapy to the reconstructive ladder and that we shouldn't always be thinking of surgery is not always limited to the macro. We should also be looking at the micro scale. So I guess as a wound biologist, you're very interested in that micro level of intervention that can improve wound healing. 
Yes, well, it, 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 I think there's a saying from Goethe already. He said a few hundred years ago. He says, if you if you can't find the interrelated aspects of what you're looking at, if you can't find the links between them, you're not looking good enough. So I'm quite sure that whatever is happening in in let's take a simple wound, but you will notice that there are cells doing stuff within cells. There are things happening. There's chemicals. There's there's uh, redox reactions happening in 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 the cell. And then the cells are in tissue and tissues together form uh, complexer tissues. And then you have organ systems and that works together at the body, body parts and then the body parts in your body and your body is part of a society and society is part of a larger society. So what I teach people, I, I, I tell them whatever happens in this wound right now depends on factors in, in, in angstrom sizes uh, up to, to uh, thousands of kilometers that's the first step and the other thing is that it also goes back from one millisecond before to three billion years before because there are some aspects in wounds which we already have learned like two billion years ago and we're still doing that which is for instance i mean if you look at the calcium pulse for instance which is one of the first signs of of wounding that that is so old that that has started already before the plants and the animals separated so that's a joint signal we have for both of them well, that's what you get when you talk to biologists about wound care. Doesn't necessarily get easier, but you see more the connections between them. Before you know uh, what to do with a wound, you have to really understand what's going on. So they, then, then they have to go back into the evolutionary uh, aspects of wounds because that tells you, for instance, the whole the whole centerpiece of wound care is, is energy balance. Uh, the reason you have a, a, a scar is because it will surface to protect you. So whatever the energy spent on to making it perfect is better spent on making offspring. Because the whole idea is that you, nature is about turning energy into, into offspring. That's the game. That's the fundamental game. Yeah. And then from there it starts. And then the first wound is like, I always say you have, you're sitting on a rock in the sea and you're trying to get food in right and then then suddenly you see your neighbor next to you is doing the same stuff so you think well i have to one one hand on the rock and one hand to grab food well what if i hold you with my two hands so you can use two hands to catch bigger prey so together we're better off right that's from singular cell to multicellular aspect that took us two billion years to 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 develop that idea in nature <laughs> so so the moment and then it gets funny because if i die I can't make any offspring, right? So the moment I have my neighbor in my arms and the, and the seas get rough, I sort of can start thinking, well, I've got rid of him. I've got my first wound, right? But if I don't get rid of him, yeah, I might kill myself. Sorry, neighbor, you have to go. So that's, that's, the, that's the new thing in wound care because normal cells by, die by themselves, yeah? But if you are in a multicellular environment, you suddenly get altruism. So you get cells, you can kill other cells just for the better benefit of the organism. So there you see, even in, in cell damage already, you see that that simple decision of holding hands of your neighbor introduces a whole new category of damage forms. And that, that's the starting point. If you look at the data, you see that the, the people get, if people get older, I, I have now a few thousand patients I can fiddle around with. So I can look at the data there. So then I, and you see, if you, if you plot them all in one graph, you can plot them from zero to, to 100 years old. And you see a gradual increase or a gradual reduction of wound healing speed. 
So you see, so then I thought, okay, that's nice. But uh, could it be that these old people have different types of wounds compared to the small ones? So let's, let's look if we, because I have also a group of people who have been bitten by their dog or their cat. So let's see how they, how, how, how this, this ingression still works there. And there it turns out it isn't there anymore. So if you're, and it tells me that if you're healthy, your wound healing speeds don't deteriorate that much if you're getting older, as we all think. It is only, and then, then, then you get wound healing speed per se is not going slower, but the chances that your wound healing speed is going slower increases, which means if you look at large numbers of data, you have the impression that it gets, gets worse. But it's not the case. It's only that the chance you have something else which is causing it. Absolutely. And certainly when you look in the surgical setting, when you operate on a very young baby and yeah. you operate on a very, very elderly patient, those two groups actually heal much quicker. And obviously it was attributed to the collagen ratio in the skin, fetal skin, whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The elderly age group. But mm -hmm. certainly that would fit your, your hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's and, and the only thing I continuously do is, is, is asking myself the question, is that so? And why is that so? And that's, that's the only thing I can do to, 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 to drive progress. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you again for joining oh us for the yeah. first Wound Masterclass podcast. Oh, that was great. Um, a great conversation for our first podcast. Yeah, it was really enjoyable spending that time speaking to Harm. And we're excited about, you know, future ones that we have coming up, aren't we, Alec? The few coming up next week. Uh, yes, we after. certainly are. Um, and the ones coming up are going to be on innovation, how to introduce innovation into your clinical practice. That's the next one. Um, so, yeah, so please stay tuned. Um, please give us some feedback on how you that this podcast went. And, yeah, we're really excited to have so many of you tuning in um, to our events. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time.